and welcome to Reliving My Youth, the show where we look back at pop culture from the 70s, 80s, and 90s. My name is Noel Fogelman. My guest today is Jeff East. Jeff played young Clark Kent in Superman the Motion Picture, which is celebrating its 40th anniversary this year. It's still a great picture. Jeff tells us he's really, really candid in this interview about his experiences making the movie, his relationships with the cast members, especially Christopher Reeves. He talks about what he's been up to now. He's quite busy. And he talks about First and Ten. He played the Mormon quarterback on the show. He also fills us in on why he thinks that there hasn't been a really good Superman movie since the second one. Here's my conversation with Jeff. And helping me relive my youth today is Jeff East. Jeff, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, thank you. Nice, nice to be with you guys. Yeah, uh, you know, big fan of obviously Superman, and uh, we'll talk about First and Ten, but let's uh, let's talk a little bit about what you're up to these days. Well, I started a production company um, all about four or five years ago. I moved to France. I married a French girl, and we own a company called The Calm Company uh, with my partner, Blaine Novak, and my wife, Pascal. And we uh, basically are doing writing and producing and uh, distributing our, our own films. Um, we're associated, we're you know, co-producing with the studios or with other producers that are involved with the screenplays. But we own all of our own screenplays. Uh, we own all of our own uh, property. We're doing distribution and marketing of them. We're doing, uh, um, we're also doing some literary stuff, uh, some books that we have. We're, um, it's pretty much an overall media company and it's, it's been fun. It's keeping me really busy, I'll tell you. Uh, we're shooting a film in September here in Nice, France, uh, for about a month. Find me if you dare. Um, I'm going to be in it with Elliot Gold, and uh, we've got several actresses that we're talking to. No one's committed yet. They're still talking. We're reading the scripts, talking to the lawyer. It's one of those, mm, that are, I've gone to personal friends instead of going to somebody I've never known. Just so they know who they're, they know who they're dealing with. They're dealing directly with me and my company, and see if they can get them to kind of override all the agents and all that stuff. The middlemen, you might say. But uh, it's a low-budget romantic comedy based in Nice, and it's about four Americans who have moved to France, and it's the world that they live in and all the things that they get involved with as adults and. Um, and it's just uh, it's just a twist, one twist after another, and it's, it's a lot of fun. Um, I've also got a project that I'm working on, um, which is kind of a really cool project. It's about basically about the Weinstein uh, situation. Oh, okay. <laughs> it's about a guy who worked for somebody like that in Hollywood. Actually, all he would do is bird dog for him and all these other rich producers and rich, powerful people in the world to find women for them. It's, it's a pretty crazy project that I'm working on. The script's almost done. It's a true story. And uh, I think the first draft's going to be coming up this week. So it's called Hollywood Bird Dog. And there's a possibility we might change that name, but that's the current title. But it's a pretty hot little project. Uh, we were going to write it as a book. But my partner, Blaine and I, Blaine and I talked about it. We want to do it as a screenplay first and then put a book associated with it. 
And God, I've got 13 other projects that I'm working on with that. Uh, all kinds of stuff. I got a film coming out called Terminal, where I play a cop whose best friend's dying of cancer. Um, it's in Kansas City. It's based in Kansas City, and it's a uh, kind of a romance, romance, um, kind of a lifestyle, lifetime type uh, situation. And I just play his best friend. And, just a drama that I did called Terminal. It'll be coming out this year, I think, on Netflix. That's what the producer told me. And then that's pretty much what's going on. Besides these comic cons, I'm doing Metropolis, of course, in two weeks, which will be huge in Metropolis, Illinois, for the Moran celebration. And then I'm doing about 10 other cons all over the world um, because of the 40th anniversary of uh, Superman. So I'm pretty damn busy. Yeah, it's I uh, probably have no idea where you are right now. <laughs> I really don't. Yeah. So like you you mentioned the Comic Cons. Right. <laughs> yeah, you you mentioned the Comic Cons. Um do you enjoy going to them or you know, I'm sure you enjoy, you know, talking with the fans, but do you actually enjoy the process of going to them? Oh, well, I don't know. It's so weird. I never really felt comfortable about you know, the whole thing, the way the guy sets it up, the way my agent sets it up, he does a really good job. Derek's very professional. Cool Water Productions is a really good group. I just, I don't know. I like talking to the fans. I like getting fan mail. I like talking to people if they meet me somewhere. When it's kind of forced on you, they're, they're, you know, it's like a celebrity thing. It, it feels weird for me. I don't know. And I've been doing this since I was 14, so I've never really felt comfortable with the celebrity side of it. I, I more like just being the actor and writer and producer. I don't particularly like being a celebrity. But that's what this is. You're selling celebrities, and which is fine. There's so many fans out there. And, you know, uh, I guess you play Superman, people want to come and see you. Yeah, no, it's but just... I, I, I don't like doing them, though. I, I really kind of avoid them. I don't like autograph shows. I don't, don't do them. Um, the only reason I did, I committed to doing this is because they, it was a special year. I did two of them before. I did a couple in England. I did the San Diego Comic Con. I did Schiller, but that's about it. I do not hit the other posts. People can't figure out why, and I'm like, because I don't, I got too many other things going on. I mean, some people, this is their whole life. Right, right. Yeah, now you... Yeah, now you mentioned, you know, obviously the 40th year of, you know, the original Superman movie coming out. How uh, how did the role of uh, Clark Kent come about for you? Well, I had done a film called The Paving, and I was working on it. They were in post-production on it. And the producer and director and the editor got contacted by Richard Donner. They wanted to interview the editor, Carol Littleton, who was editing the film, The Hazing. And... It was also called Camp and it was with Charlie Martin Smith and myself. It was a low-budget teen thriller, you know, about college hazings and blah, blah, stuff. And I was the lead in it, and Donner's home with Carol Littleton and called my agent and said, hey, I want to see Jeff for Superman. And my agent said, what? And they're all excited and everything, and they sent me to Stallmaster's office. I walk in, and they're standing there, and they said, hey, read a script? I'm like, sure, because this is Superman. I go, oh, great. He says, um, go in the other room and read it, and then come back and we'll talk to you. So I went and read this huge script they had from Mario Puzo. It me about an hour and a half. <laughs> they didn't care. They were seeing people. And I came back in, and 
Donner says, uh, he takes my picture and he takes Christopher Reed's picture and they put them together. And he goes, you guys kind of look alike. And I'm like, I don't see it. <laughs> he goes, well, this would kind of be, you kind of look like Chris's as a young man. I'm like, I don't see it. I really don't see it. I go, why are you comparing me with Chris? Who's Christopher Reed? I have no idea who he was. He goes, he's playing Superman. I go, oh, great. And then he says, well, we want you to come to London to play the young Superman. And I go, no, whoa, 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 wait a minute. I said, I'm not wearing a suit. I'm not wearing a cape. I'm not wearing nothing like that. <laughs> I said, I don't even heard, I've never even heard of this role, young Superman. He goes, it's the role of Clark Kent, the young Clark Kent. And the script, I go, well, that's nice, some nice stuff in there, but I, I don't want to wear this crazy, crazy outfit. Right. And Donna says, you don't have to worry about that. You get on an airplane tomorrow with me. You got a good, you got a good passport, right? I said, yeah. He says, you're going to London. I just hired you. Just like that. And for a year, I was gone making Superman. Wow. Now, I flew to London, shot for a month in London, then I went back to L.A. Then I shot for a month in, uh, in uh, the month of August. I shot all of the Kansas Wheatfield team. And then I went back to London for the rest of the film. And... Uh, the rest is history. Uh, it was pretty crazy. Right. At, at that point, what was the age difference between you and uh, Christopher? Six years. He's six years older than me. Oh, okay. And I, and I play him, I play young Clark as 15 and 18. They had me play at 15 and 18 years. Because uh, in the very beginning, I'm 15. When you see me on the football field, right. that's when I'm 15. After Paul Kent died, several years ago passed. And when I wake up, I'm 18. And I go out and I leave Ma Kent. And from the time I make the Fortress of Solitude to the time I get inside the Fortress of Solitude, I become Christopher Reed. And Chris is standing on the podium and flies off the podium. Right, yeah. And he's at the age of 25 at that time. Okay. Now, uh, like, they had you wear, like, a prosthetic nose, right? And you had, like, a, a wig on, too, correct? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that was, that was a shocker because all the films I'd done prior to that, and the only makeup I had was just uh, flat face makeup and turtle skins for my feet. You know, if I was running around barefoot, as I can. But all the other films that did, I never had makeup or wigs or anything like that. It was bizarre. And that was three hours of makeup and hair every time I went to work. <laughs> and it was weird going to, on the set. I, it made me feel more of the character, though, I must say. It got me into the character because I felt like I was somebody different. So it was, it was unusual. Right. And then speaking of unusual, they, they dubbed your voice with Christopher Reeves. Did, did you know about that before before filming? Oh, hell no. <laughs> but, and I wasn't even suspicious of it. I right. wasn't even suspicious of it. But I knew that something was up because Chris kept saying he wanted to play the part. He wanted to play the young version of himself. And they kept saying, you're too old. It won't work. And he, he, he got mad. And we were spending a lot of time with each other. He wanted me to get to know him as much as I could and to get to familiarize myself with his, you know, personality. So that I brought that to the character and I said, don't worry, I'll do it. And I really worked at doing that. And when they looped it, when they did the dubbing, I guess they had, they claim, they claim they had a test of the film and they said the voices are too much different. We have to have consistency. Right. We have to have Chris's voice throughout. Because really, your voice doesn't change that much between 18 and 25. It's about the same. Chris's voice is a little bit higher. And it is definitely different. Um, so, 
But they claim that it was because of the testing they had down in Dallas. I don't believe it. I think Chris and the producers did it on their own because Chris really wanted to do that. I really believe that. And I, to this day, don't believe what they say. But that was not told to me. In fact, I wasn't even invited to the premiere. They did not want anybody to know that there were two Supermen. They wanted to emphasize Superman. And it was such a big chunk of the film, such a strong point of the film. They were worried about the people going, oh, but the guy in the beginning of the movie, they didn't want any publicity on me at all. And then it leaked out to to the United Press and to the AP. They caught wind of it, and I started getting phone calls saying, hey, we want to talk to you. Well, what's, this, what's going on? Why is Warner Brothers doing this? And I said, I really don't know. And so they put an article out, and the next thing I know, Warner Brothers is calling me, sending me all over the world to advertise the channel. So it was really weird. Um, and I had to invite myself to the premiere, which is funny. Wow. I went with Mark McClure and Serge B. Olson. Right. I wrote in his limo. And, and I show up, and everybody's like, what are you doing here? It was, like, really weird. And I didn't get, you know, a lot of disagreement between me and the producers or a disagreement between Chris and I was nothing like that. It's just they were worried that they were doing so many sequels and there was it had to emphasize the first film because the second film was right there with it. They shot right the film together. So there was a lot of pressure on them because they had forty million dollars on the line. So they thought that would take away from the and that it kinda makes sense. I understand that. If it was my money, I would say, let's just talk about Superman. But that's what happened. I just happened to be the jackass in the middle of it. But but I mean, it's kind of weird because it is an origin story, and you you start at the beginning when he's born. So obviously, there is more than yep. one actor who portrays Clark Kent slash Superman. There's only one actor who play, who plays Superman, and you know that was never the issue. So I don't understand. Like Clark Kent, you see the you know trend, you know the progression of Clark. So I, it's kind of you know it's kind of like, sucks I for you. <laughs> I wasn't running around being Superman. Right. I was Clark Kent. Right. But they were paranoid because it was such... And I know Gene Hackman even said something to me while we were making the movie. He says, dude, your scenes are are really... They're, they're, they're competitive with what's going to happen with this movie. It's going to take away from Chris a little bit. And he even said it. He said it to me. Wow. And I said, well, you know, that's the way it goes. And even at the premiere, Gene was there at the party, and Gene even said, you know, you probably shouldn't be, you shouldn't be talking about this movie. You should move on to the next project. And, because uh, they didn't want, and Gene had signed up to do three or four films yeah. with them. So, everybody was worried about their own ass. Wow. Did, did this, it was weird. Yeah. Did it cause any, like... It was like, a weird experience. I must say it was a weird experience. Yeah. Did it cause any friction between you and Chris? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, Chris and I had friction with each other from the beginning. Chris kept bugging me because he wanted to play the part. Right. He didn't understand why they hired me. So immediately I was the guy that was, I was the man outside. Even though McClure and I became good friends, and Nankowitz and I got along great, Donner and I got along great, Salkine and Chris, they just, they, you know, they were having a hard time with me. I didn't, I didn't, Ilya and I have made up it. Ilya gave me a hard time for the whole film instead of Chris. Hmm. And it was it was just because, who knows? And I, I thought they'd be saying thank you, you know? Thank you for what you did. No, that never happened. Because, well, I mean, you, you made the character 
even to the day he died, even to, and I was with him the day, you know, I was traveling around raising money for his foundation with right. him. He never once apologized. He never once said anything. It was weird. Wow. And even Robin Williams, his roommate at Juilliard, at the premiere says, I understand how you feel, Jeff. It's got to be difficult. But Chris is difficult. And I said, oh, yeah. And he goes, I, 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 I can't imagine how you feel tonight about what happened. Because I didn't know. Right. I didn't know about it. Well, I mean... And uh, that's, a, that's a significant chunk of that film. Yeah. And it's, it, and it's probably... From what I've been told from people and read critics and people that read the film and people that watch the film, it's like a different movie. Yeah, and, and, and you gave that character such heart and such humanity. I mean, it's... I did. I worked hard. Yeah. Um, and I'd done about seven films before that. So I was a pro, like Glenn Ford, like Phyllis Baxter. I was an old pro. And I thought Christopher Reeve did a fantastic job. And I told him that. But I never got that from him for me. Well, Nothing. yeah. I mean, now, I, now I got I got a lot of nice things from Donner and, right. and people that were fans of the movie. I got tremendous uh, praise and, and just incredible how it affected people's lives. And incredible. That's why I like doing these shows because I get to hear that from people to know I did the right job. It affected people. I actually touched people's lives. And yeah. they said those scenes more so. Those scenes more so than the rest of Superman. And I go, well, that's because the way it was shot, the way it was written, and the way the acting was done. Of course. It's yeah. classic. It's iconic. Yeah. And then, you know. And it gets me, bugs the shit out of me to this day that they can only talk about the dubbing of the voice. That's what everybody wants to talk about. Yeah, I mean. I get that question. And I understand you asking a question, which is funny. It doesn't bother me anymore. Right. But I tell you, if you asked me the first year, yeah. No, I, I I could totally imagine. I mean, you know, it's obviously forty years have passed, but still, I mean, it's it's a, it's a sore subject. I and I totally understand. And I appreciate you answering it, but I mean, it's, it's historical. Yeah. It's historical. Still. Yeah. I mean, there's been it's so the many. Time a lead actor dubbed another actor's voice for the same character. Right. It's the only time you Yeah, and it's like. You know, 40 years ago, and there's been, you know, even the last couple of years alone, there's so many different superhero movies, and that one still is one of the best ones ever. Yeah, thank you. I agree. Yeah. But, I don't understand what they're doing with this, why they're doing what they're doing, but it's bizarre. Yeah. I don't think the writers are good. I don't think the writers are as good anymore. Yeah. The was, actors are still pretty decent. Right. The actors look good. The actors pull it off, but the writing is just not right. Yeah, I mean, you the, gotta realize Puzo, Puzo wrote the script. Right. Well, there you go. Exactly. Then Tom Mankiewicz is genius. Tom Mankiewicz went in there and made that thing happen with Donner. It was fantastic. And everything from the from the beginning to the end, that was all Mankiewicz and Donner. And said, believe me, believe me. I had nothing but praise for both of them. Yeah, well, yeah. So, so you're pretty high on Richard Donner then, working with him as a director. Oh really? Huh. Um, because I just I didn't 
didn't think I was right for the part. It mm-hmm. was for the guy, uh, John Glover, who played the part. Okay, yeah. And uh, I thought Glover was better for it. And I, he turned out to be great. But uh, Inside Moves, I really was broken hearted over that because I got so close to getting that. Yeah, so John Savage got it, though. And John was pretty hot right at that point, too. Yeah. And uh, but Donna was cool. He brought me in. He, he brought me in on all his projects. And then he'd start calling his friends, and his friends brought me in. I got a lot of work because of Superman. I got a lot of work. Yeah, and he did a phenomenal job. I totally understand why. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Now, um, like, one of the most memorable scenes in the movie is one of yours, is, you know, the, the train scene. Just talk a little bit about just, like, the work that went into it, the stunts, and uh, just the overall experience of it. That was the greatest two weeks of my entire film career. They got me up there. My manager was so worried about it, he flew up with me. Because they'd never done this stunt before. Okay. And it was not CGI. It was right. a real effect. A real stunt. And I did my, and they wanted me to do my own stunt. It was, they wanted to see my face with the train running. They wanted to see me jump in front of the train, and my manager freaked out. He said, there ain't no fucking way you're going to do this. <laughs> well, I went up there to Canada. I went to Canada, and it was with Richard Hackman and John, uh, God damn it, the special effects guy, John Rear Richmond, John Richards, John Richards, and a bunch of other stunt guys, Vic Armstrong, and for two weeks, we practiced out on this airfield with this crane going back and forth, back and forth in the harness, trying to get my feet and the wires to stay steady and to be able to move steadily at a certain pace, back and forth, back and forth. And finally, I said, well, I don't know how we're going to do this, guys. And then we had to practice the jumps. And we didn't do that until we got out there to the actual train tracks. But we finally figured it out at two weeks of practice and we got the costume on, we got the rig on, we got the wire set, we got the train out there, we got all the, all the locals, all the extras in the train. We had me out there running in the middle of this field along this road and along the train tracks and we're doing about 35, 40 miles an hour and we're going along and it's looking great, it's looking great. We do, we do like 20 takes. We come back and they say, we got a problem. They look at dailies the next day they say we see the wires. And so we go back out there, and Peter McDonald, the cameraman, takes out a spray can, spray paint, and starts spray painting the wires <laughs> with different colors. And what he's doing is he's doing a background with the sky. Right. Blue, then he's doing white, then he's doing blue, then he's doing white. And it's all different shades. Well, that worked for a while. But then I started to sway as I was running. So in the middle of one of the takes, he stops, they cut the camera, he gets off the camera, gets down, and he takes his finger and he licks it, and he touches the front of the lens of the camera, and he starts putting finger marks on the front lens. Well, lo and behold, that covered up, that covered up the wires. Hmm. You couldn't see it. So we figured we got that, that was a success. They were just lucky by the seat of their pants. There was no CGI. It was it was all just luck, just little camera tricks and little tricks of the trade. And Peter McDonald's a great cameraman. Um, Jeff Unsworth was fantastic DP. But anyway, we worked hard at getting that. We finally got it, and the light was right, and the colors were right, and the smudges on the camera lens was right. It, it, it was great. It worked. Then we get around to jumping in front of the train, 
and we figured out we had to do it backwards. That's the only way you can do that shot. So I had to learn how to jump backwards <laughs> as the plane moves backwards, right? So Richard Hackman and I are out there, and I go, how do you jump backwards? How do you make it look? What you do is you jump forward and see what your actions are. How do your legs move? How do your arms move? And I had to learn how to do that in reverse, which I did. We finally figured that out. And I was at least smart enough to figure it out and take direction, and I knew how to do it. But those guys were, you know, plus my thighs and my shins were worn out. I mean, they were just, they're thrashed at this point. And I'm like ready to just give it up. But they said, you got to do it. So do this shot. Then they said, you got to do one more shot. I said, okay, what's that? He goes, you got to come around the bend. And as you come around, you got to go right into the train. We have to get you to come right out of the lens. But you will not jump in front of the train. We'll stop you before you get to the train. I said, are you sure? They said, yeah, don't worry. We'll get you. And we have this, this camera car, which is an El Camino. I've got a picture of it. And the El Camino, the camera in the back of this El Camino, and I'm, I'm doing this, I'm on a rig, and I'm running around, and I'm swinging, and I swing right out of the lens, and I, there's a train coming at 45 miles an hour. I swing right into it, and of course, I didn't go into it, but I swung backwards, and I my momentum was carrying me back into the train, and Dick Hat, Richard Hatton jumped off the, the El Camino and grabbed me, it literally saved my life. Wow. And as I, as I was stopped, all the camera crew, the director, the producer, they're all down the road getting in the car. <laughs> it was really funny, man. Those guys were splitting in case I got killed. <laughs> right. <laughs> God. But, I mean, it, the, the scene worked. You know, it's one of the best scenes in the movie. Thank you. Yeah. That's a real stunt, man. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, one of the cast members, you know, Margot Kidder, recently passed away. I know she wasn't obviously in, you know, the Smallville scenes, but did you interact with her while uh, filming the movie? Yeah. I, I flew, I flew to London for the first time when I got the role. I flew to London with Margot, and she had, she had not gotten the part. She was testing. Okay. Her and Stocker Chant. Oh wow. For Lois Lane at the park. So I was on the plane with her, and she was sitting in another section, and I sent her a little note. You know, I said, I'm good luck to you on your screen test tomorrow. You don't know me, but I'm playing the young Clark Kent. Well, she had no idea who I was. Right. And so we get off the plane. She says, are you the schmuck that sent me the letter? <laughs> <laughs> I said, yeah. So we had dinner that night, and she ended up getting the part. I went on the set, watched and test her, and she was great. But... Uh, even Chris was, you know, wearing his outfit and everything during the test. It was funny. It was really funny to watch. But uh, that's how I met her. And then I spent the whole, I spent like two months with them, with Chris and Margo and Gene, the whole cast. Right. Uh, in, in London. It was like a family for a whole year. Because we shot both movies simultaneously. So I worked with everybody. Because they were all doing Fortress of Solitude scenes or they were doing Kansas or they were doing all that stuff with Gene Hackman and Ned Beatty and Dolly Prine up in the mountain getting the missiles. Yeah. That's all done in Canada. Okay. It's the same spot we did all the Kansas Wheatfield scenes. Hmm. That's in Banff. Right. Banff is outside of Calgary. Okay. Now, you also... So I got to know everybody. I right. I got to know everybody. Yeah. 
Now, you also did the Fortress of Solitude scenes. How, what was that experience like? That was strange. <laughs> it was, uh, well, for one thing, it was boring as hell because Jeff Lunsworth took forever to light that set and get the fog just right to make it like the North Pole. That was my first month of shooting, just walking into the interior of the Fortress. And I thought, is this how long this movie's going to be? Right. It was nuts. 30 days of shooting that. And I go, no wonder this movie's costing so much money. And they had three film crews, and they had cameras up on the top of the, you know, the sound stage, and they had lights everywhere, and they had this huge set. It's just me walking up these blocks of wood. It wasn't even snow. It was fake snow. It was weird. But uh, it was fun. Once I got up to the podium and, and Donner started directing me, he was talking to me and stuff, what I'm doing. Marlon Brando was talking to me and blah, blah, blah. It was pretty wild. I mean, I, I said, what the hell are you paying me for this? I just got to react. So, okay, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> now, um, they've, they've made a few, you know, Superman's different, you know, obviously TV shows, you know, different actors played them. Why is it, so, and you mentioned the writing, but like, is it just the writing why they can't get this character or movie right? I, I think so. Or the direction. Dick Donner was such a great director. I think a lot has to do with the directing and with the writing. Okay. Um, I just don't think the directors and the directors have the soul of the character. I, I think they... They miss, they miss that verisimilitude of the actual comic book character. Donner was married to it. Donner was in love with the character. Donner lived and breathed, wore the outfit, you yeah. know, all kinds of weird shit. But he would give me comic books to study, and Dob Tom Mankiewicz would come up with new ideas. They, they just, I think they had more respect for the character. Right. I don't think Zach has any respect for it. And I don't think what Brian Singer did either. I think Brian Singer was more interested in getting Kevin Spacey, you know, as Lex Luthor than he was Superman. I just, I found that that film really tanked for me. Yeah, me too. And the last, the last, the last film they did was, uh, I don't If I wasn't a Superman fan, I would, I would have said that's the worst one of the worst comic book movies I've ever seen. Yeah, the uh, Man of Steel one? <laughs> or Just League? Yeah, it just it's terrible. Yeah, no, it's. And Wonder Woman's doing a good thing in the movie. Yeah, I know, I know. She, she, she's, she's saving the whole universe right there. <laughs> but I agree. Yeah, I think without her, they're rude. Right. I mean, the only. I guarantee you, Ben Affleck's not going to do it. Yeah. Benny's not going to do it. No, he should be fired. I know. I don't know. I don't understand why he's Batman. Bring back Michael Keaton. Yeah, agreed. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Did they ever ask you to like uh, do like a guest starring role in Smallville? No. No. Okay. Never. All right. You know, it's funny. I met Ty Spelling this weekend. Oh, okay. I got the feeling that he he's not a big fan of Superman. Right. Yeah. That's he what I've heard. He said it to the press. Yeah. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not speaking out of school. Right. No. I've heard and that I too. That, I got that vibe from him when I met him. I thought, oh, I don't think he likes me. <laughs> Right, and you know, and I, I, I didn't, I didn't think anything of it until I read this article 
what, what he said about Superman. I thought, wow, well, no wonder he acted that way. Yeah, and you know, he doesn't like he doesn't like Superman. Right, and you know, obviously the show made his career, and and he did a great job in the show, but it's you know it's just sad. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh. But I told him, I told him, that. I said, you did a really nice job, and he was just like, ah, I don't really want to talk about it. Right. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Poor guy. Yeah. And then, yeah, and then you went from the equipment manager in Smallville to being a quarterback on First and Ten, the Mormon quarterback, Bryce Smith. How did you get that role? I love that. <laughs> oh, God, that was so much fun. I had to lead for it. Okay. But I figured out a way, because I'm a Mormon, so what I did was I brought a Bible right. and a crucifix with me to the reading, <laughs> and I brought it out of my, out of my pocket. And the producer laughs so hard. He says, "You're hired." Right. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was fun, man. Yeah, that show. I had a good time on that. The only problem with that show is O.J. Simpson was on it, right. and he got he got me fired because he wanted more money. Oh really? Oh god! And he was producing it. Yeah, he wanted more money. I was getting paid too much money. The white boy get too much money. Jeez. So they fired me. Yeah. Delta and I go on great. All the cats and I go on great. And then Jojo comes along and ruins it for everybody. Yeah. And then, of course, when it goes into indication, he murders his wife. They pull the show. <laughs> yeah. It's... We were making lots of money. We were making a shitload of money. Right. No, the, the show is so entertaining. It's, yeah. It's, OJ. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he, he stabbed you in the back before he stabbed his wife, I guess. <laughs> he sure did. Yeah, that's unfortunate. But, but, Jeff, thanks for a few minutes today. I really appreciate it. Um, good luck with all your projects coming oh. up. Thanks, Noel. And a special thanks to Jeff for joining us today. You can follow me on Twitter at the first Noel 19 Be sure to like the page Reliving My Youth on Facebook. Go to iTunes. You can check out all the past episodes with some amazing guests we've had. While you're there, please rate and review the show. I would appreciate it. If you don't have iTunes, you can find this show on SoundCloud. You can find it on Podbean. Just search for Living My Youth. A special thanks to everyone who's listening. I can't do without you guys. And be on the lookout for another episode of Living My Youth real soon.